We're finishing up our series on this questions about God, questions that um, that we may ask, things that happen in our life that that um, kind of may shipwreck our faith. And uh, we're on the last series today, and this this topic we're going to hit on today, I think, is probably one of the most difficult questions. I, I wrestle with this question. This is a tough question, and it's the topic about hell. I mean, how many of you just want to come to church and hear about hell? I mean, I, I woke up this morning, and I was all excited, and I couldn't wait to get to church, and I just want to hear pastor speak on hell. That's just what I feel like doing today. And But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It, it, as much as we want to dumb it down or maybe splash some potpourri on it, try to make it smell better or whatever. The problem is it's in the Bible and it's a topic and it's a doctrine and it's a teaching in the word of God that we cannot sidestep. And so what I want to do this morning, because this is a question, if, if, if God is such a loving God, you know, why, why, why would he send people to hell? I mean, that's a question, a valid question that many people have. And is that a true question? And is that really the heart of God? Is, is God this um, mean ogre in the sky, just wringing his hands, um, wanting people to go to hell? And I want you to know something about the character of God. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would get a different understanding of why there is a hell. And why God created hell. And, and I want you to get a different understanding of the heartbeat of God. That the heartbeat of God is this. That he wishes that all of us would come to repentance. The will of God is that every single one of us would understand and know why he sent his son. And I believe the reason why we have misconceptions about the doctrine of hell, the teaching of hell, is because we don't understand the character of God. Here's my problem. My problem is we listen to too many other people. We go on the Internet way too much. Because, you know, everything you read on the Internet is true, right? So we, 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 we hear the clamor of everybody else and what they think God is and what the teaching of God is and the way they think God acts. But unless we go to the word of God, the complete authority of the word of God, the inerrancy of the word of God, to understand the heart of God, you will have a misunderstanding and a misconception of who God is and why he acts and what his character is. And so my prayer for you this morning is that you would understand that today. For those of you that are struggling, I'm not up here to preach hellfire and brimstone and to make everybody feel guilty because how many know guilt only changes you for about a day or two? And then we go right back to our same lifestyles. My prayer for you is that you would embrace Christ through this teaching. That it's more than just talking about hell. And, and you, have, you have to understand, uh, it, it, if, if you understand anything about church history, which is very interesting about church history, um, when they began to build big cathedrals and basilicas, they would have paintings on the walls, and people would come in, and they wouldn't understand the Word of God. They didn't have the Word of God for themselves. And so you would have these depictions on the ceiling, beautiful artwork of these depictions of hell, and people would come in and say, oh, I don't want to go there, right? And they would place this fear into people's hearts. But here's what God wants you to realize this morning. He doesn't want to put you in a place of fear, but a place of awe and respect for what he's done for you and why he sent his son. 
so that there could be a bridge that was gapped between the separation that we had between a holy God and us and because of our sin. And so we have to understand the person of Jesus Christ and why he came to bridge that separation between us and God. I believe that hell is probably one of the most fair doctrines in all of the Bible. And we're going to discover why. So I want us to pray because I know this is, this is a spiritual thing for many of you. Um, we sang the song, Break Every Chain. And I believe for some of you, you've got a lot of hang-ups. A lot of chains that, that hold you back, that keep you in bondage to your past. Some of you may be here today and you're just entrenched in some habit that you know is wrong. That you may be entrenched in some thinking that is wrong. And see, listen, I, I, can, I can do my best to present to you what the Bible says about hell and our separation from God. But unless God breaks our hardened hearts and breaks the chains that keep us from the past, it's going to be another teaching for you that you'll just walk out and say, that was nice. But unless the Spirit of God grabs your heart this morning, it won't make a difference in your life. And my prayer for you today is that the Spirit of God will reveal to you his truth. And I believe with all my heart that the Word of God is truth. That's not just truth, but it's absolute truth. That it's beyond and above every other truth that you will ever hear or discover in this world. That's why the word of God has withheld and withstood the test of time. And so you can trust it today and you can believe it with all your heart that God will not lead you astray. So let's just pray. Lord, just, just open our hearts today. And Lord, I just pray today for anyone that is just in bondage to their past that there's a chain that keeps them maybe hooked to an addiction, pornography, gambling, alcohol, bad thinking, negative thoughts about themselves, depression, whatever that, whatever that may be, God. I thank you that Jesus came to break every chain. Do a spiritual work in our hearts. Cultivate our hearts and our mind to, to receive from you, God, what you would desire us to receive today. Lord, may my words today not just be a talk that falls off the end of the pulpit, but may it be words that bring life. May it, bring, may it be words that bring change to our hearts today. God, may we be sober-minded. This is a tough topic, and may we be sober-minded in the way we receive this today, God. This is a matter of life and death. And so, Lord, help us to receive this and to open up our hearts to receive it. Thank you, Jesus, for being the truth. We love you and we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, there's an interesting survey that I read that really kind of uh, grabbed my attention. It was, a, it was a poll that was taken like 14 years ago. And, and the poll was, it was a research group that showed that 64% of Americans expected to go to heaven when they died, but less, less than 1% believed that they would go to hell when they died. And in fact, there was a recent CBS poll that said that 75% of Americans believed in the existence of heaven and hell. And this is what really kind of grabbed my attention. This is what was really interesting. The same poll said that 82% believed that they were going to heaven, 2%, only 2% believed they were going to hell. I wonder who they were. Um, 9% uh, 
believed in neither place. And 7% were waiting for the Hale-Bopp comet to come back around and take them away. No, I'm teasing. Um, what's, what's interesting about these two polls is over the expanse of those years, not much has changed except that more people believe that they're going to heaven. They believe that there's some good life after this life. There's a better place. And what is also interesting is that most people uh, wouldn't hold the view of a place of everlasting punishment. Yet, yet we know and understand by reading the word of God that this is a reality. And so that's the reason why I want to talk about the doctrine of hell. And I believe there's a lot of confusion regarding both heaven and hell. And I want to get this correct. And I want to just focus on this doctrine of hell. Talking about hell is not the most pleasant thing in the world, but 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 this is something that Jesus addressed and he wanted us to understand. In fact, Jesus himself taught on this subject more than any other biblical author put together. More than any other biblical author, Jesus talked about this subject more than any other. What I want to do this morning is I'm going to dig in uh, to Luke chapter 19 because Jesus gives this story about a picture for us about separation from God. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. You can look at the screens. We're going to look at verses 19 through 31. This is the rich man and Lazarus. And I want to read this for you. And uh, Jesus shares this story to impress on our hearts the reality of our separation from God. So let me read it for you. It says, starting verse 19, it says, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day, and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came to lick his sores, and the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried, and he was in Hades being tormented. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send me Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in the like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And beside all this between, between us is this great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may be warned, that you may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have had Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. They will repent. And he said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Isn't that very interesting? It's very interesting that this rich man never asked to be saved himself. Interesting part of that story. He wanted to warn his brothers, but it was too late because their hearts were hardened. 
if they didn't hear from the prophets and Moses, what, what would make you think that they would hear from someone coming back from the dead? See, there's two main points that Jesus emphasizes here. He says this about this place. He says it's a literal place. And here's the thing that I really want you to understand. Not only is it a literal place, but it's a place of separation. That's what I want to focus on today. It's a place of separation. In fact, Jesus describes in Matthew 25, 30, he says, And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's this separation from God's side. It's, Jesus describes it as a place of darkness, torment. It's not a happy place. It's not, oh, I, I want to go to hell and party with my friends. And so what, 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 what's the truth? Why, why did Jesus want to bring the importance of hell to us? Why, why is this so important? Why was this teaching in the forefront of Jesus? See, the teaching on hell is important because it shows us how we are dependent on God for everything. And I want you to understand this morning that everything we have is dependent on God. And I want you to understand this morning how devastating our sin is and our separation from God. If you remember from the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. What happened? They were separated. They were banished from God's presence. They could not, they didn't have the freedom anymore in the garden. Because of their sin, their sin separated them from God's presence. We are dependent on Christ for everything. I cannot in my own strength or my own goodness approach God's presence without dying because of my sin. We have to understand that. This is a Christian worldview that we must understand that our sin has separated us from God. I don't care how good you think you are or how bad you think you are. All of us has fallen short of God's glory and his perfection. We need a savior. You see, hell is all about separation. It's our fault. It's, 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 it's because of us, because we have wandered away from God. We refuse to believe in him. We've trusted in our own life and our own sin, which has separated us from a holy God. And so I want you to understand here, this isn't something that God created hell. He created hell for his devil and, and his angels. But this isn't something where God says, I just want to send everybody to hell. What we have to understand, we have to take responsibility because of our own waywardness and our own rebellion against God. See, everything is found in God. So sin separates us from God's face. When you hear the word God's face in the word of God, it means his presence. We cannot come close to God anymore. This sin is this great chasm that Jesus talked about in this story with the rich man and Lazarus. It was a great chasm that you could not cross. And I want you to see the chasm as our sin. And, and he said, go tell my brothers and what, what would be the thing that would help them cross that chasm to Abraham's side, to that place of paradise, would be their repentance. Their acknowledgement that they were wrong and they needed to turn. Isaiah 52, 9 says this, but it's your iniquities that have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. There's the separation again. You see, everything we've longed for is found in his presence. It's found in his face. 
Psalm 1611, the psalmist says this, you make known to me the paths of life and in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, to be separated from God means to lose what we were created for and that was to worship him and find true joy. You see, people will go to hell not because of a lack of evidence, but due to a hardening of heart. Not because of lack of evidence, but due to a hardening of heart. Many would think that hell is unfair, but I think it's the most fair thing that God does. No one goes to hell who doesn't choose to go there and stay there, C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis says no one goes to hell who doesn't choose to go there and to stay there. Pastor Tim Keller explains it this way. He says, what is hell then? It is God actively giving us up to what we have freely chosen to go our own way, to be the master of our fate, the captain of our soul, to get away from him, to get away from God and his control. It is God banishing us to the regions we have desperately tried to get into all our lives. J.R. Packer writes, Scripture sees hell as a self-chosen. Hell appears as God's gesture of respect for human choice. Wow. All receive what they actually chose, either to be with God forever, worshiping him, or without God forever, worshiping themselves. If the thing you most want is to worship God and the beauty of his holiness, then that is what you will get. If the thing you want most is to be your own master, then the holiness of God will become an agony and the, and the presence of God a terror. You will flee forever. In fact, C.S. Lewis says in his book, The Great Divorce, He said, hell is therefore a prison in which the doors are first locked from the inside by us and therefore are locked from the outside by God. See, this is something that we choose that all our life as we further walk away from the Lord and hear his presence and don't listen and walk away, walk away. There's we lock the doors from the inside and eventually God will lock the doors on the outside. This is a responsibility that we take. We want to put all the blame on God, but yet God does everything to reach us. And that's what I want you to see. You see, the reason why the teaching of hell is important because it actually shows us how much Jesus loves us and how much he sacrificed for us. Wait a minute, pastor. I've never heard that before. You're telling me, you're telling me that, that, the teaching on hell actually shows us how much Jesus loves us? Your orange juice was expired this morning, Pastor. You better check the expiration date. Let, let me show you why. Let me show you why that, that this actually shows us how much Jesus loves us. You see, until we understand how terrible hell is, we will never begin to understand the lengths and the depths Jesus went through to reach us. Jesus' death on the cross was a horrible physical death. We understand that. But it's a drop in the bucket in comparison to what was going on in the soul of Jesus. On the cross, when Jesus cried out, My God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing hell himself. He experienced hell in our place. He experienced the separation that hell brings in our place. Jesus faced that for me. I thought I'd get one amen there. That's okay. I'll give you a second chance. This is incredible. This is incredible. Jesus faced the wrath of God for you and I on the cross by by taking our sins upon himself. He faced that separation for you and I. Jesus never was separated from God the Father in all of the expanse of history. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit are perfect in fellowship. And what Jesus does for you and I, he faces it for you and I by, by, by facing the wrath of God, by having it placed upon his shoulders upon the cross. He was experiencing it himself. See, when Jesus was cut off from God, he went into the deepest pit and the most powerful furnace beyond all imagination. He experienced the full wrath of the father and he did it voluntarily for us. Tim Keller says, what a great statement. You see, God loved us so much that he made a way through the cross to save us from that separation. And this is what makes the cross so wonderful. This is what makes the cross so Powerful. Jesus faced hell for me. Jesus faced the wrath of God for me. Jesus conquered my sin through his obedient sacrifice. You see, it's only through the cross that this separation would be removed. It's only through the cross that this separation would be removed. So the question is this, how much does God love us? Well, he loved us with everything. He gave up everything to reach us. He sacrificed everything to rescue us. You see, it's only through the cross that our destination of hell could be removed. See, God is not unfair. And the reason why God is not unfair is because we deserved punishment because of our sin. And listen, if you can't get this understanding of the word of God, you will trip over this doctrine all the time. Because if we, if, if we don't own it, if we don't take responsibility for our waywardness and our sin, you will never embrace the fullness of God's grace and mercy. See, unless I understand that I'm saved by God's grace and I'm not merited anything, that there's nothing I can do to save myself, then I'll look at grace in a different way because, because what I'll do is see grace says, Barden, there's nothing that I cannot ask of you now. But, but if I bargained for my salvation where eh, part of it was my good works, part of it was God, then I could bargain with God and say, God, I'll do this, but I won't do that. But grace says, Barden, there is nothing, there is nothing that you shouldn't do for me. I've given everything for you. So God is not unfair because we deserve the punishment. You see, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is getting what I do deserve. See, grace is getting what I don't deserve. I don't deserve God's salvation because I'm a sinner separated from God. There's nothing that I could do to ever get into heaven in my own strength or my own merit. But God in his grace sends his son to face hell for me, to face death for me, 
to take my sin upon his shoulders. That this chasm that separated us from God now is closed. God did that for you. That's grace. That's grace. You see, mercy is, is not getting what I do deserve. I do deserve death, but because of God's mercy, mercy, he placed that upon his son for you and I. Can, can you imagine um, your kid coming home and getting all F's on his report card or her report card and then saying, hey, we're going to go out for ice cream to celebrate? Would they deserve that? No, right? But you say, well, I'm going to take you out for ice cream. Anyway, that would be grace, right? Getting something that you don't deserve. That's exactly what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, if the teaching on hell only makes me a good person by saying, I don't want to go there, right? If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, that's why, the, that's why the statistics are true. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to go to hell, right? So, so if it just makes me a moral saying by saying, Johnny, be a good little boy because, you know, if you're not a good boy and you're a naughty little boy, you're going to go to HL double hockey sticks, Right? So, so if, if, it, if it just makes me moral or if I just accept the teaching on hell as fire insurance, something's wrong. See, here's what I want you to grasp this morning. The, the, the teaching on hell should make me embrace Jesus who faced hell and God's wrath for my sin. The teaching of hell shouldn't grip my heart with this fear that says, I better be good, I better be good, I better be good, I better be good, I better be good. I've got to be a better person because I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I want to go there. You know, you just, it conjures up all these thoughts and I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there, right? But I think what, I think if we understand truly the doctrine of hell, what it should make us do is embrace Jesus even more by saying, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me because I deserve hell. But you came for me. So I'm going to embrace and I'm going to cling to you because it's only through you that I can find life and freedom and forgiveness from my sin. That it's through your righteousness that is now imputed in my life that I can now see God and come boldly into his presence. So the teaching on how should make you run and embrace Christ for what he did for you. God is perfectly fair in everything he does. You see, if my first reaction to the teaching, and to the teaching of hell is, is just to be moral, because I could be up here and I could just preach hellfire and brimstone and just make you all feel guilty, and you're like, okay, I better come to God because I don't want to face hell and, and, and all this bad stuff. If, if it just makes you moral, it won't last. See, the first reaction makes you moral, but the second one, by embracing Christ, truly causes you to become born again. It truly causes you to become born again. Because what God does is he restores your life. And I want you to look at the doctrine of hell as the separation from God's presence. God created you to know him and to experience the joy that you've been missing all your life in the things that don't give you satisfaction. How many of you know that life is so fleeting 
the older I become, I, I've really gotten a lot more wise since I've turned 50. It must be the gray hair. I don't know what it is, right? How many of you, you just start looking over your life and you're like, man, 20 years ago, I used to think those things are so important and they're just not that big of a deal anymore. How many are like me like that? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. Um, and, and you begin to just look over your life and you begin to look at things differently. You know, I, I, was, even, I was even thinking that with, 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 with my son Wesley and they're in the championship game. You're like, you know, you want him to win. But you know what? I was like, I'm just going to miss watching him play basketball. It goes so fast. It's like I can remember when he was in third grade. I remember my kid was this age, and now they're all grown up now, and I'm going to miss that. I mean, the championship, that's all great stuff, but it's like I was, Kathleen and I were talking on the way home, and I go, where did life go? It goes so fast. Just enjoy all these moments. You, your perspective begins to change because you realize how fleeting life truly is. You see, God created us to know him, to realize this world isn't all that there is that it's fleeting. Don't put your trust in this stuff that is not, is going to be here one moment and gone the next. Jesus comes to deal with the separation and the anxiety and the fear that we have and to take those things away so that we can find joy in knowing God and knowing his presence. That's why he created you so that you could worship him and know the creator and realize that there is an eternity that God has for those who put their trust in Christ. Now, here's the good news, because this has been a downer message, and I'm sorry. It's always, you know, this, this isn't a fun topic, but here's, here's the good news in all of this. Here's the good news. Heaven is this. It's God restoring all things back to what they should be. All the things that sin caused and separates, if you read through Genesis 1 through 3, all those things that sin did and separated us from God, all the, the separation that happened, all the bad things that happened because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve, heaven is God restoring all things back to what they should be. And when you come to Christ and you experience a born-again relationship with God and he changes your heart, you're getting a little glimpse of God restoring that which was broken. God is redeeming you back and buying you back. That's why your past no longer has a hold over your life anymore because you are renewed in Christ Jesus. So you're getting a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. And let me finish with this scripture just before we take communion today because this is what communion is all about. Revelation 21, I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. I read this at practically every single funeral because this gives us hope. This is our future. This is what happens when you put your hope in Christ. God is going to be with us. That separation is no longer there. Christ broke that separation through his death on the cross and through his resurrection already revelation 21 is so good it's so good john gets this revelation this gives me hope and you are down when you are down and you are depressed and, and you're hopeless for the next day read revelation chapter 21 okay are you with me this morning 10 uh, nine o'clock crowd okay just checking just checking just checking just work with me people work with me people okay revelation 21 listen what it says it says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And then I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, appeared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. No more separation. Neither shall there be any more mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things has passed away. What is John getting a glimpse of? No more separation. Jesus was separated from God on the cross so that we would never have to face separation from God again. That's what communion is all about. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to go to the cross for you. I'm going to give you my body. I'm going to shed my blood so that that chasm that you could not cross in your own goodness and your own strength I'm going to bridge that gap for you by facing it for you. Jesus faced everything for you. Listen, some of you are here today and you're like, man, pastor, my past is really seedy. It's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. I mean, I'm saying right now it's bad. I've done some things this week that are not good. Here's the good news. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And let me bridge that separation for you. I've died for that. I've died for your sin already. It's been paid for already. The question Jesus asks you now, are you going to come and embrace me? And allow me to bridge the gap for you. So that now you can experience the fullness of joy that I desire to give to you that your sin will never be held over your head again, that there'll never be any more separation from me again. Experience why you were created. I created you for a purpose, not to be addicted to your past, not to be addicted to some substance, not to be addicted to fear, not to be addicted to loneliness, not to be addicted to any of these things, not to idolize any of these things. I created you so you could know your creator and worship me and find my true joy and peace. It is here right now, people, if you embrace it. So I want to pray for you, and we're going to take communion today, and we're going to experience the fullness of God's presence and his joy that he desires to give to you today. So, Lord, we bow our heads before you right now, and I pray this morning for every person here, that feels lonely, that feels separated, that they would embrace you, Jesus. Not, not embrace you out of fear because they're so fearful of what hell brings, even though that is a consequence for those who do not embrace you. But God, may we embrace you because you loved us so much to deal with that separation. And so, Lord, I pray that we would come to the table today and embrace Jesus. Thank you for his body that was given for us. Thank you for the blood that was shed for us. And so we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I pray for every person here that they would embrace you today, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done for us. We need you. And so fill every heart here today with your presence. Make yourself real to them today, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen.